Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who always turn the other cheek when cleaning up tenants. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. What's up, everybody? It's show number 540, and on today's show, we're talking about why you'll go poor trying to sell lumber, <laughs> torrified wood doors, mortising by hand, and good uses for flooring offcuts. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before January 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show, you can totally do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This time we're thanking Patrick Bordrillwex. We know when, when Bordrill was not good enough for you. You went for you it. You can get a nice. name upgrade. For, there you go. Enjoy, Patrick. Mark Jones, Mike Rochburns, and Christopher Davidson. Do you think we should just blow past that one and pretend we didn't? know what he was going for I there. That's what we're doing. I read, yep. with, the, I read with the straight Too face. Late now. Like it's any yeah. other name. Uh-huh. That's easy to read. Yep. Okay. Good. Good, good. Good, good. Job Thank well you, done. patrons. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right. So this is a dining table episode where we're going to pick a topic and just kind of noodle around with it. Stick our finger in it. See what's going on in there. Oh, my God. What did, <laughs> what did you just say? God. <laughs> We're going to talk about lumber sales. <laughs> this oh, is, uh, this is uh, trying to put, oh, I feel like Matt now with my cheeks hurting. Please never grow okay. up. <laughs> Just don't do it. Don't, I will never respect you if you grow up. I'm trying not, like if I haven't grown up by now, probably not going to happen. You know, you would think kids would have done that. I think if that it's going to happen. the other way with kids. I don't know. Yeah. Have you been around kids before? They're not very mature. No. Well, it gets more fun when they get past the point. Like Ava's still at that point where she'll, I'll say something and she'll look at her mom and she'll look back at me and she's like, is he, is he serious? Like she knows to check. (laughs) 
Mateo's at the age now where he immediately gets it. Like I'll say something, I'll just look at him and we do that like bro nod to each other. <laughs> like he gets it. He knows what's up. Uh, it's good. Anyway, so the dining table episode today, this is inspired by my possibly ill-advised uh, venture into wood sales. <laughs> And wait a minute, who advised yeah. you? Who the hell are you talking to? <laughs> I was going to say, I seen, I seen to remember that Matt and I were both against this. Idea. It was uh, Tim Fuller <laughs> who advised me to do oh, it. Oh, well, good. Yes. Your so blame him. Good idea. Yeah. The supplier. <laughs> Funny how that works. Nice. Uh, no. Nice. So, so Tim's a good dude and he's got, he's got lots of good wood and it seemed like a neat idea. Like, Hey, we got this new space. Maybe there's something else we could do with it. I like wood. I need to store wood. Why not store a little extra wood and then sell what I don't need. And we were going to go down so this path. Simple. How it hard does. could it, it be? It really like a, a monkey could do it, Matt. <laughs> really, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> get wood. Step one: get wood. Step two: question mark. Step three: profit. Yeah, profit. <laughs> right. And that's really at the heart of this, right? So we are still going through with this lumber sale thing just to see what it's like. Um, I don't expect it to be like a huge segment of my business, but it was like uh, it's just something interesting to try. Right. So we're going down that path. I'm looking at the numbers and trying to figure out how this could possibly be a profitable business for people. <laughs> Honestly, I I'm spreadsheeting everything out. I'm looking at the cost of each board. I'm getting pretty good prices from Tim to then resell those locally. Um, and, and I just look at it and go, this is also keep in mind as a business, this is coming from the type of business that creates digital assets and then is able to resell those things over and over without accruing the costs right. of production. So when you're actually selling materials, of course, profits are lower and it's not as, as clear cut of a profit. So I look at this as the content mindset, the content production mindset, and I look at this and go, that's so much work. That is so much work just to make X dollars on that particular board. So it, this is something I'm thinking about long term if I actually want to even bother doing this, if it's worth my time to do it, uh, because a lot of this is going to be done by Jason and dealing with um, customers coming in, getting things loaded up, answering questions about the wood. He's going to be taking care of most of that. So um, do I want him doing that or do I really want him in the shop with me making our next video? Um, so this got me to thinking, you know, two of my best friends out there, both in different ways are dealing with lumber sales and brings up the question how do you guys like, how do your, I know very different ways of handling things. And the scale is obviously different between, you know, uh, McIlvain and, and what you're doing, Matt, with the slabs. Oh, definitely. But like, is this, is this, as low, is this has low profit margin for everybody? It's just, you're doing it in volume and you're doing it more efficiently than I would ever be able to do it, that it makes sense to do it. Like what's going on here? Well, first of all, Matt, don't sell yourself short. You have half the number of telehandlers that we do. <laughs> I'm halfway there. <laughs> You're halfway there. Yep. You know, just just get like, I don't know, 6.5 million more board feet and you'll be you'll be I'm right getting there. there. No big deal. The, I, Although, I do you have half a million board anything, feet inventory? That's how it works, right? Um, <laughs> Mark, I can answer your question for you with two words. Don't do it. Tax deduction. <laughs> there you go. Um... I think, I mean, this is the part that I remember coming into the lumber industry from the perspective as a, as a woodworker, as a buyer, mm -hmm. you know, as a consumer um, and being shocked at the margins. It is not a profit margin business. Um, very, very tight margins. Um, and I would, I would look at like the cost of 
some of the material that we buy direct from a sawmill. And you're talking pennies on the board foot. And you're thinking, my God, you know, I'm paying $4 a board foot for this wood. And they're, you know, they're buying it at, you know, 29 cents a board foot. Then you factor in all the other stuff downstream, you know, the drying, the the, the sorting, the grading, the, the sawing, the stacking, all of the stuff. Plus the fact that your inventory actually degrades in value the longer it sits out in the shed. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Once all that stuff stack on top and you've added that all in, suddenly you realize if you're lucky, you're making about a dollar a board foot. And usually it's it's less than that. These days, believe it or not, even though people complain about lumber being so expensive, these days it's probably more like 75 cents a board foot. Um, and the, the, the magic in this, the magic, the answer is in transformation, uh, which is why we see fewer and fewer retail mills selling rough sawn material. They sell S2S material, mm-hmm. you know, or skip plane material, or they're selling even more S4S material. Um, that transformation um, can exponentially increase the cost per board foot or cost per board or linear foot, however they're choosing to sell it. Um, but because they're doing it in-house, because that transformation can be done and can be done at scale. So we need to put our, our racks filled with, you know, 100 pieces of this walnut. I can very quickly with a six head molder run, you know, 15,000 linear feet of walnut, you know, mm-hmm. with, with two guys, one guy feeding, one guy catching, you know, and, and, and that's it. And you've raised the cost per board or per board foot of each one of those, um, each one of those pieces substantially over all the raw lumber. So it comes, comes down to transformation. It comes down to buying it as untransformed as possible and doing as much transformation yourself. So, you know, that, that from your perspective is probably not, it's not possible. It's not something you want to do. It's also the opposite of what I want to do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like in terms of what I want to sell, I want to sell the stuff that represents the stuff I have trouble finding. And what I have trouble finding is stuff that was cut, let's say an eight quarter board that was cut as eight quarter. It's already nice, you know, fairly straight. Does it? It's not like it's warped and crazy, but it hasn't been touched much. And, and I can retain mm-hmm. as much thickness as I could possibly get out of it. That's what I want. And that's what I want to sell. But th- with your logic, it's like, that's exactly the opposite. If profitability is a factor here. Well, it could eventually go the other way mm-hmm. where, I mean, cause it is harder, as you just said, to find rough sawn scarcity mill. for sure. Retailers are, are milling it at least skip planning. Yeah. So, so maybe the irony will be the price will start going up for rough song because there's not as much demand for it. So <laughs> right. now it's going to cost more. Yeah. Um, I, I think where, I mean, you, you weren't starting the side of the business as, you know, here's a whole new line, you know, like match chairs. Here's an old line where I can bring in profitability. Um, this is more of a convenience. I think like you need lumber. So why not bring in a bunch of lumber yeah. that you can pick and choose from for your own projects and anything's left over can be an opportunity to sell a little bit here. I think where the end goal probably should be is, is the, um, the impulse buys, you know, you need to stock like packets of gum and <laughs> people come by a board and then, you know, get some fruit stripe gum while they're Can I interest you in a, a sticker? A a cat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, it, you you end up with a storefront to sell your wood whisperer merchandise because you're in a in a unique situation where um, I'm going to inflate your ego a little bit here. But as a kind of a woodworking wood. celebrity, the people come to buy lumber from the firehouse to say that they were at the firehouse. You know, it's the same reason people go take the tour of the Lee Nielsen factory up in Maine. Mm-hmm. And 
most of them, when I've talked to the people at Lee Nielsen, like less than 1% of those people actually buy a tool while they're there. <laughs> of course, these days, they don't actually have tools to sell. <laughs> they don't even have any. Um, <laughs> they just go and they take the tour yeah. and they take pictures and they get a selfie with Tom Lee Nielsen or Danette Polhowski. And, you know, that's what it's there. It's a destination. So you're a destination lumber yard. Ooh. So I think you need to take advantage of water slide, you know, selling merchandising, you know, <laughs> water slides the, for the kids, the flamethrower, <laughs> you know, the wood whisperer, flamethrower, wood whisperer, lunchboxes, things like that. Um, you know, pick up a board while you're there. And at the same time, you know, Nicole's got her Glowforge cranking out, you know, while they're choosing the board, they can get a wood whisperer cookie with a, their name on yeah. it or something like Go that. Go get a hot dog know, from Trixie. <laughs> yeah. A board <laughs> license plate or something like that. You know? <laughs> Now I get what you're Actually, saying. I think that in and of itself, there's a line of t-shirts right there. Like, you know, get like a wood whisperer logo over the pocket and on the back it says staff, Trixie Spectral or something, you know? You know? Well, and I think that was part of the strategy when when Tim and I first talked about oh. this. It was like, if we are going to be this, this destination, we are welcoming uh, people to come into our shop and hang out. And we do plan to have some merchandise for sale. Uh, it's almost the natural thing for us to have a little bit of extra material that if you want to just buy, you don't want to sort through a big pile of walnut just to find the one or two good boards there. Here are the two good boards and it's not going to be cheap. It's, you know, it's going to be priced accordingly. Uh, but there it is if you want it. And it's, um, it's not, like you said, something we're really depending on for income. It's almost a pet project of sorts, but it, it did kind of make sense. But even at that, when I started to do the math and the, you know, on the time it would take, and the, uh, you know, the, the handshaking, the, the, the like discussions with people who come in here and want to talk about the material, um, to just to move that one board starts to really go like, <laughs> whoa, this, this really might not be worth it to do all of this. Oh God. When do I get to say, I tell you so <laughs> without being a jerk? <laughs> well, I, didn't we have this conversation? Yeah, <laughs> we did, but I'm doing it anyway. I mean, in spite of no matter what comes of this, we're doing it anyway. It's just, you know, yeah, sure. got to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I still I still think it's a good move because if nothing else, it's just it's that that added convenience. It's it's a service. I mean, one thing that that your business has always been about is giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. So this is just another way yeah. um, to give give back to the community. You know, they have to pay for those boards. They're not free, folks. But you know, here's how I give still. back. You give me money. <laughs> I give you wood. And I'm giving back. <laughs> I like that policy. Um, rather, rather than monopolizing this conversation, um, Matt, don't, do you don't have me right now? <laughs> He's doing the laughing thing. Riff for a bit. Riff I'm for not going to give him a place right now to speak. <laughs> Let me stretch the taffy. I, I think, I think that the pitfall that will still come, you know, there, there, there's the glad handing side of things and getting to meet woodworkers and and that type of stuff and kind of figuring out like hours of operation and knowing that while the lumber store is open, I'm not going to get as much done and that can be fine. Mm -hmm. But I think the harder part you may or may not have discovered yet is the managing the inventory. Um, because you're going to have some boards that just don't turn. Um, and they're going to sit on that rack for a while, but like you're out of walnuts, but you still have maple over there in the corner. So now it comes back to ordering, you know, and keeping that walnut bin stocked because that's what everybody's buying is walnut. Mm -hmm. That is a whole other job, um, trying to to manage inventory, managing turn rates and keeping the shelves stocked um, based upon what's responding. And, you know, Walnut may be selling like hotcakes right now, but it, nobody touches it next month. And now everybody's looking for white oak and you're like, I don't have any white oak because right. nobody was buying white oak yeah. before. 
Um, that is the whole other job. Now, since your business is not your primary business is not selling lumber and, you know, paying the mortgage is dependent upon the lumber side of things. It's a little bit easier. And you can say, all right, you know, maybe you can take special orders. If somebody comes in and says, I'm looking for for white oak and you just don't have any, you know, you can contact your supplier and you can call the guy and say, yeah, I should have some in two weeks. Come back then. Um, but like, how are you keeping track of of what you already have? Um, and when you sell it, like, how are you managing inventory? And how do you know when to reorder and all that fun stuff? Well, and the thing is, right now, there's so little inventory. We just didn't have <clears throat> the capital to invest a lot to get this going because, frankly, we're out of money. <laughs> so there just wasn't much to bring in. Uh, what we did bring in was inventoried. It's such a small amount that each thing, at least right now, was given like a number, a designation that we could uh, reference mm-hmm. and then keep track of. Yeah. Uh, honestly, what's happened is I've started to build furniture and some of those boards they may have disappeared off the inventory list because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I ate them. Yeah, a little um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, that's where a lot of this will go uh, is like, you know, how much inventory am I going to have? How many varieties will I carry? Cause I really don't want to get nuts. I'm not going to be like the wood emporium of Flint Hill. Like that's, that's not what I'm looking Box to do. Wood emporium. <laughs> yeah. We got everything over here. It's a, uh, it's, I'm probably going to start with focusing on cherry and walnut, the two woods I use the most. Um, you know, and then mm-hmm. if, if a board is just the misfit board that doesn't sell, cool, I'll take it and I'll do something with it. Um, so yeah, inventory right now, very manual and very simple because it can be, because there's just not that much material. That makes sense. Cause that was the thing that really bit me when I was running, uh, an e-commerce store mm-hmm. Uh, inventory was not an issue because we produced so much material. It was easy to get it, but then it very quickly got out of control. Yeah. It went from small to, Oh, look, there's a place to throw stuff, you know? Right. Um, and there were, there were boards just magically showing up on my rack because one of the graders like, you know, specked it out and just threw it over. And I'd walk out there and he's like, Hey, I had a whole bunch of boards to your rack today. I'm like, thanks. you like in a backhanded way. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> now I got to figure out what was there and what wasn't there. And, you know, I did the same thing by actually putting SKU numbers on every single board because that's how I was selling it was by the board. You know, people weren't coming in and saying, I need 500 board feet, you know? Right. Um, and honestly, that's becoming less and less common at retail yards anyway, because still most people don't know what a board foot is. And, you know, fact that we have to explain so much what a board foot is tells me we should stop using that unit of measure For retail. You would think it's a whole other issue. Yeah, people don't know that language. Um, so Matt, I want to hear from you yes. because I think, you know, Grant, you're definitely on a much larger scale, but in terms of the structure of your business, you and I are very similar mm-hmm. and I have to wonder yeah. why bother is, is there like <laughs> a labor of love aspect to this or what's going on there? Uh, so I think I'm kind of where you want to be. Maybe. Yeah. If, if you want to think about it that way. Oh, I can definitely like say that. that. Like that, huh? Yeah. I say that every morning when I wake so, up. <laughs> totally accurate. Well, I, yeah, every Matt's morning. That's where I want to be. Back I before be I had Matt kids today. and I had a normal job, I did the the uh, the board selling thing. Um, and it's very, very time intensive mm-hmm. for a, let's, we'll call it a relatively small uh, ticket price at the, end of the, at the end of the day when you're done checking yeah. them out. Like, it's not that much money as far as revenue goes coming in when you're selling a few boards at a time. So as I kind of reprioritized my life, became a father and started this business, I'm like, there's no way I can keep doing this uh, by appointment, look at all these boards and buy 
three or four board feet at a time thing. Um, so the way that I'm kind of, I position myself now is I didn't back then, like I didn't know anything about slabs and now I kind of like slabs. They're kind of cool. And they, they Mm -hmm. also have a higher per ticket price than just a board. Right. Which really helps on like the revenue side of like, you have to invest a lot of time turning that inventory, but at least the received margins are higher on slabs because someone's not coming to you want to buy three board feet from you, they're coming to buy a hundred board feet at a time at two pieces of wood or one piece right. of wood or something. Yeah. So I, f- and even though they've become really, really popular, it is still a niche product. Like there's a lot of lumber yards who still don't have slabs. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're unique ish in that. And I think you're going to be more unique as time goes on because most of the lumber yards are like, screw this slab stuff. It's, it's a lot of work. Isn't that also at risk of what Shannon was saying of finding those misfit boards that just don't move because for whatever reason, it doesn't appeal to them in the fire pit, whatever. Yeah. But, (laughs) but you know, you can, you can discount them. You can cut them up and sell them as guitar bodies. It's another thing I've I've tried that works out pretty well too. Like, Hey, no one's buying this, but it's got this couple cool sections in it, Mm -hmm. but I can cut a small piece of stock out of it. Mm. And now it just doubled the value. Yeah, of selling that one board by selling it as two small, smaller guitar blanks. So there's mm-hmm. definitely like that's things true. you can do. And that's an online thing too. That's, that's a whole yeah. online market that you can tap into that reduces the, you know, one of the things I've always loved about woodworkers is they're super friendly, easy to talk to people. But when it comes to lumber sales, that's the worst thing. <laughs> you know, the guy coming <laughs> out and, you know, selling those two boards turns into an hour and a half of a tour of the shop. And <laughs> what are you working on? And, you know, if, if I wasn't trying to build something over here, that'd be great. So if you can use that extra stuff and somehow package it into an online sale, you can avoid a lot of or that. Or you can just give it to them as like a bonus. And that kind of helps with like sure. re- retention. The problem, they maybe they'll come back a little more. Um, for me, at least at this point, I don't do kind of as many sales as I used to because I've been so busy with other stuff. But a, a lot of my sales are all um, remote now or whatever you want to call it. They're not local. Um, right. so most of my stuff ends up being shipped. And the, the advantage that I have is that all of my, my entire slab inventory is cataloged on my YouTube channel. Like every single log I've ever cut is there. So someone can go and be like, I want, I'm looking for some ash. I say, okay, here's the videos of me cutting ash that I have available. Either the whole bull's available or these slabs are already sold. And they can go through and be like, okay, it's, I like this one right here at whatever time period it was. Or if it's, they have a slab number that I've numbered in the video, I want that one. Perfect. That's the whole shopping That's, experience. I didn't know you did that. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. That, and that's the other thing too, for me is I'm not, I don't have an inventory of stuff that's dried and sitting. Mm-hmm. So if someone buys a slab through that method, that's when I take it to final drying. And then it'll, it'll oh, okay. be shipped out after that. Mm-hmm. And I usually want, mm-hmm. if it's just one person buying one slab, I'm not going to go pull one slab. I'm going to be putting in a queue of when I have enough orders to then pull enough to fill a whole load and ship a whole bunch at once. Mm-hmm. And most, and to be honest, most people aren't buying just one slab. I'm not, I won't, I won't even ship one slab. It's not worth me palletizing with just one slab. So right. a lot of times they're buying, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and 
for most people, if they're going to be shipping it, they want to make it worth their while anyway, because the shipping is going to be like $800. Yeah. So they're not going to buy one slab. They want to buy a whole pallet of stuff that they can kind of pick through and do the things that I love about working with slabs. And that's being able to lay out all your parts from one big giant piece of wood and being able to be a little more artistic with the grain and how you're selecting parts, you know, laying out parts in three dimensions, not necessarily having them in plane with the surface. You can put them on an angle to change the grain orientation. So you have all that flexibility. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people who want to be able to do that, but they can't find these pieces of wood anywhere or they happen to see a video and they absolutely love this piece of wood that some guy in Minnesota cut. And they really want that one piece of wood for this yeah. perfect project that they're planning in the back of their head. That's, that's so that's kind of like my little yeah. way of making it work for me at least. Okay. Well, it's useful too, that you don't move into drying until essentially it's sold because that's just better quality yes. control over the yeah. long run. Um, but it also eliminates the, like just in time type thing that, you know, adds to the stress of that sale where, okay, I want that. I'm coming tomorrow to pick it up or you've mm-hmm. got to ship it out right away. If it's clear up front that, okay, once you pick it, then I'll move it to drying. So, you know, I'll be in touch with what's ready to dry. It kind of slows the turn rate down a lot and makes it a little bit more manageable. Um, and I think it's also more acceptable <clears throat> for your scale of business and Mark's scale mm-hmm. of business, you know, that would be completely unacceptable in my world. Um, well, and I, there's also that for really complaint. same thing you were talking about for me, I would imagine some of this is a little bit of leeway given to the fact that you're actually buying wood from Matt Cremona, like a guy that you yes, follow on YouTube. You, yeah. Right. Like you, you want that board no matter what. So, okay, that's what I have to do. I have to, I have to wait. Fine. Um, I'm curious. Do you charge up front for that to like reserve that board before you do any work? Uh, depends on the person, but usually okay. some, some kind of deposit uh, at a minimum, some kind of deposit. Like for me, you would definitely need a deposit. <laughs> I was going to say the more appropriate question is, would you charge Mark a deposit? <laughs> Mark, Mark is charged extra. He's a service fees. <laughs> I get surcharges. I don't know. Where, what, what are these surcharges, Matt? Uh, at least well, I've given uh, that thought too. Well, one of the things Matt's, you know, not as far away from me as he was before. It's a, it's a day long drive. I may be showing up at his house with a trailer someday to, to stock some Cremona slabs. Pull that trailer with all the wood I'm going to send back with you. Ooh, that's a good a good reason to get a bigger truck. See, there you go. <laughs> I have to rent something. This, Jeez. See, this is the problem with the, the one problem with the lumber business is it's very cash intensive. Because if you want to yeah. grow it, you need to reinvest boatloads of capital mm-hmm. to keep it growing. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys see how many, how much I have invested in just material handling equipment. Like, right. That just to move stuff around. Like that's just added fun cost of doing business. Yeah. yeah wait until it starts breaking down. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you though. I'm, I'm going to, I'm good waiting. That's never happening. Uh-huh. Which is why we have two yeah, telehandlers. Cause the first one broke. We bought another Gotta one and the then backup. we fixed the first one. That's the yeah. backup one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I'm glad we had it. And hopefully people, I don't know, just there is a eye opening thing that happens when you go from being the shopper with all of your assumptions about why the wood costs what oh, it does man. and what they should and shouldn't do. I wish they would do this. I, I and have such other- a different perspective on it now. The more time I spend like producing and selling lumber, the mm-hmm. more I'm like looking at other people's prices and be like, how the hell can they even sell it at that? price how is that possible right. how do they have how yeah. do they have any margin on that what the heck yeah. but like years ago like how can this cost so much 
six dollars a board for that's crazy now i'm like right how the hell are you how are you making that right? how are you making any money at yeah. six knowing all it i definitely know. definitely changes your perspective for sure ah good stuff well hey do you guys know who else sells wood a lot of people mm, macrimony <laughs> yeah but also but also rockler oh yeah oh yeah they got well, like they got like a wood section thing they actually do. Like some stores would, have more wood selection than before. Yeah. You know what? You know, what's funny. We're looking at like competitive pricing and I was just like, oh, I'm just curious, like what they're charging for certain things. I and mean, I may or may not have gone to their website to look at their price list. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times. All right. Well, they're expanding. Rockler's expanding all over the place. If you haven't been to a Rockler store lately, you may be missing out. Rockler's been expanding and remodeling many of its stores throughout the country. The latest store opening was in October in Charlotte, North Carolina. In December, a new store is coming to San Antonio, Texas. You'll find an extensive lumber selection, top power tools and accessories, dust collection, router tables, T-Track, hardware, and more. They even host a variety of classes for woodworkers of all skill levels. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you. No matter which store you visit, you can count on Rockler for innovative products, expert advice, and great service. Go there. Check them out. And salsa. And In San Antonio. salsa. <laughs> Why do they like it? Because they like to say salsa. salsa. It's a wonderful condiment. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this show, if all goes to plan, will be dropping the day before Thanksgiving. And you know what Thanksgiving means? Turkey! It means Black, oh. Black Friday's right around the corner. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> It really should mean turkey first, yeah. but according to my inbox for the last month, it means Black Friday. Okay. Yeah, I saw. I nothing, think it was nothing but Lowe's. Maybe one of the stores. Your Lowe's or Home Depot. We walked into the other day, and they're celebrating uh, Black Friday month. Black Friday month. Yeah, it's a whole month yeah. now. It was literally <laughs> a sign Friday in the month. store that said Black Friday month. So right, and and I guess I guess December is Cyber Monday month. <laughs> it must oh. be. Not sure. Uh, that works. Yeah. There's still only small business Saturday though. They yeah. only get one day. Stupid small businesses. Stupid. Anyway, speaking of small businesses, <laughs> Aren't I'm going to promote the hand tool school because I am, I am. Um, even the lumber yard I work for is a small business to tell you the truth. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I do one sale a year at the hand tool school and it's on black Friday. Well, technically it runs longer than black Friday. I call it a holiday sale to be politically correct. But yeah, that's that's going to happen. And uh, it's the one time I do a sale, 30% off. I don't know any other details than that other than to say go to handtoolschool.net and uh, you'll find all the details come Black Friday. Okay. What I'm going to pile on because I'm going to have one of those two. Thing. Like, what can I can I learn something there? Do I have to go somewhere in person? Uh, Tell me more about the school <laughs> that you mentioned. You're starting a whole thing here, Matt. Of oh, what? Geez. Of Shannon talking. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's going to be extensive. That's less talking for me. We're going to get a saw sharpening lesson out of it, whether we want to or not. <clears throat> get some phleme. It's going to get ugly. Mmm, <laughs> phleme. <laughs> In short, Matt, it's a school, but it's online. You don't have to go anywhere, nor do you have to pay boarding or boarding. plane tickets to get there, nor do you have to take work off. In order to do it. Mm. And you can do it for a fraction of the cost of what it would cost to go somewhere to take a woodworking class. Do you have like specific classes on projects or are there semesters based on topics? How does it work, Shannon? I don't understand how it works. Do I have to start a semester one, assuming there are semesters? 
Matt, for you, you can start oh, anywhere you want. <laughs> you can start at semester six and go backwards. If oh, you that whoa. sounds. Uh, huh. um, whoa. Yeah. I can, I can see like yeah. reverse aging over time. That sounds fun. Yeah. And Benjamin Button. Some people do that with the show. You know that. <laughs> I think it. Uh, uh, see, this is why I'm terrible promoting my own stuff because I'm already bored with this. <laughs> Fine. This ad, even I don't want to talk about it. This ad sucks. <laughs> this terrible ad read. Let's not do that again. I know. I got to raise my voice a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Go to the Hansel School. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh my god. I have to do a Black Friday ad now on the Macromoto voice read. Yeah, oh, please just, do. It has to be done. Please, please do. Oh my god. It'll be such an inside joke, but it'll be well worth yeah. it for those who can. No one will understand. I got the t-shirt. My sales are going to go down because people are like, what is up with this weirdo? I can't take it. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that's good. All right. Well, I'm going to tag on to that. Uh, we're doing a guild sale as well for Black Friday. I don't know the details yet because it's a little early for us, but we will also be doing something at the Wood Whisperer Guild. And uh, even our buddy Matt has some projects over there in the guild that will also be on sale that day. So uh, go check it out. And I... I will be doing uh, free shipping on cheer kits. Really? Yep. Hey, let me tell you something about those chairs. Oh, God. (sighs) You have too many of them? I have too many sets of them? I have quite a collection. Uh, They're they're great. And I'm getting this new dining table. That's where it's going. Okay. Yeah. I was a little worried. uh, (laughs) Because right now, because of a mix up, go back a couple hundred episodes and hear about the mix up that happened uh, that I ended up with walnut chairs instead of cherry. Chairs, I just, but I the st- walnut- I'm just going to blame your mom. I just blame your mom. It's fine. It's probably your fault. I mean, but whoa, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> That's on my end. That's Kenny Rogers. Kenny. The gambler. Hey, hey, the best. No one. He them. loves walnut. <laughs> no one to hold them. That's great. So appropriate. woke up out of a sound sleep. Yeah. I think he had a bad dream. (laughs) UPS guy is here in his dream. Uh, So anyway, these walnut chairs, uh, they are currently sitting with a cherry table stylistically. I mean, I don't care that the wood is different, but stylistically, they don't match up. Um, The new table is going to be walnut. And I think they're going to look it's the chairs are going to look so good with this table. So they are uh, going to occupy four positions and I'm going to build a bench on the other side. For a nice complete set. So hmm. I'll send you a picture of that when that's Please done. Please do. I'm looking forward to it. Because it's a very versatile design that I think goes with a lot of different uh, styles of table as well. There you go. You heard it here. Yep. <laughs> or something. Or didn't. I don't Look know. that. Or something. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our questions, shall we? Uh, the first Boom. one here is from Ryan. He says, I'm building a new house and I just finished laying the hardwood floors. The flooring is five and a quarter character grade cherry from Shioga mm-hmm. Flooring in Ohio. While the character grade does mean that there are, is that a real term in the flooring industry? It is. I don't know anything about flooring. It just sounds like BS to me, but all right. Well, it is, but it's it's marketing. It's it's official BS. (laughs) I mean, there, there is no such grade as character grade, but yes, in the flooring industry, not just flooring, people have been kind of stealing that, but yeah, rustic grade, character grade. It's highlighting the flaws. So we are uh, character grade podcasters. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely. Okay. All right. So while the character grade does mean that there are some occasional knots and mineral spots, the vast majority of the boards are basically clear and would be perfectly acceptable for use in fine furniture building. 
There are some short pieces that are basically useless for furniture parts, but the average length is approximately 36 inches, and there are quite a few eight-footers in the pile. I have a couple hundred square feet left over. I'm really bad at math, I guess, and I'm wondering <laughs> if you could offer some inspiration ideas uh, either for the full-thickness boards, which do have the typical grooves on the back and the tongues and grooves on the uh, sides, um, and some thinner stock. To remove the grooves on the back, I could certainly mill the boards down to a half inch or thinner for use as cabinet backers, drawer sides, door panels, and other things. But I'm wondering if you have any creative ideas for this very usable material. So I, all I can say, Ryan, is what I did when I had similar materials. I made a crap load of spatulas. Oh, I was going to smoker. Smoker stock. <laughs> yeah. Get a smoker, throw it in there. Done deal. This is the kind of stuff where like, I wouldn't rush it, you know, don't rush into using it. Keep it around for a while because that's what I did. And then eventually it came to me that this stuff was perfect for a thing. And that thing were these awesome little spatulas. And we just made a whole bunch of them and it was from flooring. And the thing is, by the time you do get those grooves out and you cut the tongue and groove off, you are dealing with about half inch stock. So you're kind of limited with what you can do with that. But that's just enough for two of these tapered spatulas. And uh, man, it's just a blast to make and a great use for that that kind of caliber of material. So I don't know that you have a need for them or you want to start selling some of those or have a lot of friends and family that cook. Um, those are great. And there's other, other things you can make, other uh, kitchen utensils you could probably make out of that stock as well. Um, but for me, spatulas all the way. It was great. So, but again, don't rush into it. You might come up with something um, that you're going to be glad that you have those things on hand. So find a comfortable corner of the shop and maybe store it there for a while. Um, either of you have any uh, ideas that jump out at you? Cotton boards. Well, man, I, I think <laughs> there he, you go. Yeah. he kind of, he already said it, cabinet backs and drawer sides, door panels. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> if you build a lot of cabinetry, having like a cool, you know, character grade for the cabinet back can be really cool. Yeah. Plus, like the TNG is already there, you know, mill off the grooves in the back. You might just be left with a shiplap, yeah. but oh, yeah. that yeah. makes things easier. But, but the other thing is <clears throat> I wouldn't necessarily turn your nose up at half inch material. That's still a lot of material. You don't have to have three quarter or thicker to make a cabinet. Right. Um, interior dividers. A lot of times it's a really cool idea to have a slightly thinner divider on the inside of a case. So maybe you've got three quarter or seven eighths for like the outside of the box. But like if you have multiple dividers inside making that thinner, I just think looks cool from a design perspective. But also if you have half inch thick material and you make it into a box, depending upon the size of the box, obviously, um, it can be really strong. Mm -hmm. Half inch is still very strong. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say I can't build furniture out of it because it's too thin. Be surprised what you can get away with. And in fact, most like kitchen cabinets use five eighths inch plywood. Um, you know, obviously plywood, very different story, but still they're not nearly as thick as you might think. So, um, you'd be surprised what you can get away with. That's something that as I, I, I like to think of my design, like knowledge base, uh, sort of matures bad word for me that just generally doesn't happen. Nothing <laughs> matures with me, Trust me. Where are you, where <laughs> are you going with this? <laughs> but, but as I look I at call BS already, <laughs> as I look at things that I made in the past, I've identified my tendency to overestimate how thick parts need to be and should be. And that as I yeah. try to like practice more restraint going forward, I find that like, holy crap, that actually looks so much better and more elegant if I use a thinner piece in that, in that spot, rather than always defaulting to going as thick as possible or like 
every conversation starts with three quarter inch stock. Like rather than that, <laughs> right? like think, yeah. well, no, wait a minute, let's scale this down. Does it need to be that thick? And having moved all my furniture, once again, I, I paid the price <laughs> every time I moved the furniture and I'm like, this just doesn't feel like it should be this heavy, but good golly is this thing weigh a ton and it didn't have to, there's just no reason for it. So I agree with what you're saying, Jen, and it's something you want to think to about. To be fair, everything David Marks builds is pretty chunky. <laughs> yeah. So you blame David, it's David as, your, as your your former mentor. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of his style is chunky. Yeah. I would still call him my current <laughs> mentor. I still watch Woodworks. I love it. Got it on wow. Plex. I queue it up when I feel uninspired and I watch that. It's great. I need some of it's that. It's true. It's a, it's a, it's an evergreen show. Man, it's so good. And except for the fact that you watch it and realize that, uh, I may have said this on the show already, but when I watch it, I feel like that it's so, so much information that where in the past I felt it was limiting in that 22 minutes, like, ah, oh, give me more, give me more. But in the context of today's content world, more, I go, how did they get away with this much fine woodworking information on TV? It's, that's true. It's crazy. It's true. Definitely wasn't watered down at all. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was way to go. David. It was abbreviated, but way man, to go. David in many ways ahead of his time. It's templates. Okay. All right. Templates. <laughs> templates and templates. MDF. Oh, we're gonna make a template. <laughs> okay. Make another template. Okay. We get it. <laughs> make templates. All right. Big guy with the templates we got. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So this next one is from Ben. <laughs> I want to build a new front door for my house. I have heard several woodworkers talk about torrified wood, and it seems to be a good choice because of increased stability and weather resistance. None of my local lumber yards carry it from an online search, and all I see is four quarter and five quarter for decking. Would torrified lumber be a good choice? And do you know if anyone anywhere that sells six quarter to eight quarter lumber, or is that impractical due to cost, availability, etc.? I think it's just live. I love watching Shannon correct the spelling in the <laughs> in the person's question as we're doing this. <laughs> I figured it was, I was gonna get not, a comment. Sorry. Not even his question. It is messy with see. me as I'm trying to read it and I see the cursor thing moving around. <laughs> stuff's changing. As you're actively like, reading. I'm trying to read it <laughs> and pay attention to what I'm saying. There's a Google Docs problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've written I've written no fewer than four blog posts on torrified lumber in the last week. It's just it's just it's kind of on autopilot now. Uh, well done, Shannon. Way to go. Everybody spells that word wrong. Here, hold on. There's two spaces here. I'm gonna clean Can't that up. Clean it up. Yeah, take oh, it out. There you go. That was something else is going on there with the the comma and the I. Something's a period. Okay. Okay. Whatever. All right. Uh, Continue. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's that's a good idea. I think it's a decent idea or good idea to try doing a door out of torrified or thermally modified, depending on which camp of linguistics you. you want to side with. Yeah. Um, They're two separate products. Get right. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the deck that we added onto the back of the house, that porch area, I'm planning on using uh, thermally modified ash for the decking. And as you'll see, those type of woods are a lot easier to find because the most common use case for those for exterior products is going to be for decking or some kind of like exterior trim type of thing. So finding thicker material is going to be a little more complicated. I used uh, thermally modified ash to build an outdoor bench over in the guild. You may have heard of it before. It's an online school where you can learn things from people mm -hmm. that maybe know things to teach you about. Uh, and I built a, a garden bench out of... Um, Thermally modified ash, I use four quarter and eight quarter. 
And the lumberyard here in town, local to me, called Wood from the Hood, which does all urban salvaged lumber on a much larger scale than me, has a lot of thermomodified ash because ash is in abundant supply right now due to the emerald ash borer killing uh, basically every single tree that exists. And they all need to go somewhere. So one of the things they've, they've done to help move more inventory is offer ash in normal style and thermally modified style. So they have four quarter, five quarter, six quarter, and eight quarter there available. I don't know where you are. If you happen to be in Minneapolis, it's a short drive to uh, the lumber yard there. Or maybe give them a call and maybe they'll ship it to you. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Or maybe you give them a call and they tell hmm. you somewhere else you can find it near you. Or more specific search terms. Or something like that. Okay. Do you know, are they are they modifying it themselves or are they buying it from someone who's done the modification? They, they're so they're. It's their own lumber that they're having modified at a modification kiln, which is a couple hours north Okay. Of that makes a lot more sense. Oh, oh yeah, that one. There's not that yes, many of that them. One. I know who we're yes, talking about. That one, okay. Yes. Very cool. Interesting. Well, l- let me just add one thing to this. Matt hit it Go on the, it. the head with the fact that decking is the number one use case. Decking and, and like exterior siding, that's where it's all going. Um, it's also more cost efficient to to make that type of stuff um, because I mean, just like kiln drying eight quarter, 12 quarter material is mm-hmm. harder um, thermally modifying it, which is basically kiln drying on steroids mm-hmm. is really hard. So when you get to eight quarter and thicker lumber, the, the waste quotient goes up pretty dramatically there. There's a lot of, it's very hard to repeat that process um, because you're, you're raising this. Um, oh, shoot. It depended upon the, whose process, but the thermo wood process trademark um, <laughs> takes it 270 degrees. I don't, I don't, I remember can't remember now. Maybe head. it's 315. It's high. It's very high. Um, and they're injecting steam just like you would in a normal kiln dry process, but it gets so hot that you actually get a chemical reaction that like almost crystallizes the cells. And there's a huge amount of possibility for cell collapse um, or like, case hardening on steroids Mm -hmm. that happens it there. And the thicker the wood is, the harder that has to do. So most places will do like most, most of these thermally modified kilns will do it on kind of a special order basis. So for instance, I've got some, some eight quarter, 10 and 12 quarter stuff coming in right now that we placed an order for, I want to say eight months ago. Um, And it was just a matter of having enough to, to fill a kiln and then doing it all at once knowing full well that half the kiln might be unusable um, because there's just so much stuff that goes wrong with that heavier stuff at those really, really high temperatures. So what we ran into is we ordered, you know, X thousand board feet and it took them like four kiln loads to get that, to develop (laughs) that much because there's a fair severe amount of waste, which also we still paid for like every kiln they, we had to pay for the entire kiln. So like half the stuff we paid for, but we don't get to use, which raises the price exponentially over the four quarter and five quarter stuff. So then that you meet market pressure there because now you're saying, okay, I'm paying, you know, I'm just going to throw a number out $6 for the four quarter stuff. And you want me to pay 16 for the eight quarter? Like what's wrong with you? Um, But that's kind of how the math works out because the waste factor is so high and the time to develop is so incredibly long that you have some of these uh, thermally modified mills that just say, look, we just won't do it. 
we're not going to do eight quarter. Well, they may say eight quarter, but thicker than that, they're not going to do at all. The other caveat I'll say, if you're looking at five quarter, it may not actually be five quarter because a lot of these um, modified mills are um, working in metric. So it's actually a millimeter measurement. Um, and you may find that it's a bit scant of five quarter. You're expecting, you know, a full one and a quarter out of that. You may find that it's closer to like one and an eighth um, because of uh, or because there's so much shrinkage at those high temperatures. It started <laughs> at one and three eighths and it came out at one and 16. <laughs> <clears throat> Just ask George about the shrinkage. Oh, yeah. He knows. <clears throat> Interesting. All right. Should I go to your voicemail now, Shannon? Sure. Why not? Okay. Why not? Hi, guys. This is Eli in Jamaica Plain, Mass. I'm a longtime listener and first-time inquisitor. So this winter, I'm building a couple of stick chairs, and I want to use some floating tenon joinery to reinforce and or over-engineer the seat. The thing is, I'm nowhere near ready to buy a domino joiner set from Festool, available at Rockler stores and at rockler.com. I'm finding plenty of content out there about dominoes and routers and other advertiser-friendly solutions for loose tenons. But between now and whenever I go to the Cambridge Rockler to buy a domino jointer, is there anything you'd recommend for me and the $24 mortise chisel that I picked up from my go-to used tool dealer, Tom Bruce? All right. Well, first thing I want to say to this is, Matt, pay attention how when he read the Rockler ad, his voice didn't change pitch at all. He just smoothly <laughs> rolled right through it. So that tells yeah, me. but how do you even know it's an ad huh? then? Uh, fair enough. Well, fair enough. Just, just how you disclose there. it by changing your pitch. <laughs> Oh, he's an octifier. Yeah. Oh, clearly Matt, an ad. Matt doesn't have I don't, to have FCC do disclosures. We just know. Hashtag pitch change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great. It's the new thing. It's happening. Uh, Eli, good question. Um, first thing I'm going to say, and there was actually Mordo's voicemail where we talked about how um, the machines were making his neighbors upset because he lives in this, he shares walls with people in a, in a what do you call it? Like a triplex mm -hmm. complex or whatever. Um, here's the thing. If you're talking loose tenons, for the most part, loose tenons tend to happen in the ingrain uh, of joinery, ingrain to ingrain. So chopping that up with a chisel sucks. There's no other way to put it. So what I recommend is put your mortise chisel down and pick up a drill, um, whether it's a cordless drill or a drill press or whatever, and bore out that mortise first and then move to just a regular bench chisel or paring chisel to um, square that up from there. Um, a mortise chisel on ingrain is disaster. You're going to split the board. Hmm. I don't I care just what hope you do. The grain is straight on um, that board because oh man, start, oh that'll yeah. wander pretty nightmare. quick. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, Matt. If you're going to be, I if you're going to be okay. <laughs> well, another option is is one of those um, beadlock things, also available at Rockler. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Beadlock is a, is a nice, secure way. You don't have to have a drill press. You can use a regular hand drill. The bushings guide the bit in. It grips it firmly. You're going to end up with really nice results there that, again, you can clean up with a chisel. If you're not talking about, I mean, and there are times when loose tenon might not be ingrained to ingrain or maybe ingrained to edge grain or something like that. Certainly chopping the mortise um, can be done there. But the rule of thumb I use when it comes to chopping mortises is um, if the mortise is wider than three eighths of an inch, I always bore it out first. Trying to drive a chisel wider than three eighths of an inch into wood also sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. Unless we're talking timber framing and you've got like a massive, like three foot long, you know, timber frame mortise chisel. It's not fun to try to drive that much steel through it. it ends up 
folding the edge, you can do damage to the wood itself. So unless it's like a quarter inch or three eighths at most, I'm not going to chop it. The other rule of thumb is if the mortise is deeper than one and a half inches, I'm going to bore it out first. Mm. Once you get below or deeper than one and a half, it becomes really difficult to actually use a mortise chisel to lever out the waste. And the biggest hindrance to chopping a mortise is the waste. It gets kind of stuck in there. And the more waste that piles up, just the chisel won't cut. The the bevel, the the wedging action of the chisel actually prevents it from kind of going in deeper. Um, So you've got to clear out that waste. Well, when it gets down there really deep, it's really hard to get that stuff out without messing up the edges of your mortise. There are specialized tools called swan neck chisels, which were kind of made for this. But don't go buy one of those. Like they're just they're so specialized and so silly. Just bore it out, bore out the most of it to depth and then just come back and, and pair it. I think you could go. I mean, he already has some mortise chisels, so there's no reason you couldn't use those to square up the ends. But I think you'll find that the 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 uh, path to least resistance when it comes to creating mortises by hand is best done with a drill first, then clean it up from there. Um, and that will also make the neighbors happy um, because I could run my planer downstairs and it won't bother my neighbors or my wife. But when I start chopping mortises, <laughs> my wife starts banging on the They're floor going, shut taps. up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That chopping mortises is a lot worse than any planer. Yeah. So yeah, bore it out, then pair it to shape. There you go. All right. So last question. Well, more of a comment that we have here from Lee. Thought I would uh, read it because it made me laugh. Uh, he says, I've listened to your podcast for a long while. Really enjoy it. You guys do a great job. Should be very proud of what you've created. One thing that I've been wondering, though, when Mark reads the ads, there's a shimmy, shimmy, shammy, shammy music that plays in the background. Uh, when this happens, I picture the lights dimming. Maybe a disco ball lowers. Could be that Matt picks up a tambourine, Shannon, some castanets. And I see Matt and Shannon standing uh, uh, doing that little solo dancing. Nothing too crazy. Just, you know, some cool, focused, confident moves. And after the ad is over, the disco ball rises and Shannon and Matt sit down and you all just continue as if nothing happened. So does that happen or am I just imagining things? Well, the disappointing news is that we don't even hear the music. Don't tell them what we doing. (laughs) I'm I'm giving them a peek behind the the curtain. (laughs) Yeah, the the music's added uh, later in the editing and we don't hear it until you hear it, at which time we generally do dance. And Matt does have a tambourine. Except for the beginning. <laughs> I, I, we hear the music at the beginning, the opening music. And I do, I do tend to, yeah. you know, that does throw, help throw some twerking in. It helps get the Only mood going. Though. The problem with that though, is we have so many different versions of the intro and I only have one queued up to get us going for the show. So we hear the same one every week. Uh, but, uh, you know, when Nick does the editing, he throws in, he rotates through all of our intros. So we don't know which one he's going to be using each week. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks for asking. And, uh, Given us that little visual there, Lee. Appreciate it. Okay. I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether You know what, guys? I don't hear the music now either. Uh, whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom <laughs> desk, or new kitchen ca- <laughs> I don't hear anything. Uh, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need hey, to make your next I'm project a success. Cabinets. You are. Oh, hey, look at that. Can I tell you guys something? I'm secretly doing a project that I'm not documenting in any way, shape or form. And I took a hammer to something in my kitchen last night. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about it because I destroyed something that looked perfectly fine, but I hated it. So I wanted to destroy it and it's gone now. Oh, hmm. maybe well, I should go to Rockler and get I'm some supplies. Thinking 
what the hell could it be? Like I'll send you a picture. Something you made for dinner. Was her name Trixie gross. Spagnola? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll tell you real quick. Uh, this house, I think they had, you know, like, I don't know if it was in the nineties, maybe the two thousands, right? In the two thousands, that sort of Tuscan oh, style. Yeah. Oh, Oh. look that a lot of houses went for with those bold colors. The kitchen had this thing over like around the hood and around the range. And it essentially was two cabinets on the countertops to the left and the right of the range that then went upwards and arced across to house the range hood mm -hmm. and then upper cabinetry that hides the duct work for the range hood. This thing is a monstrosity. I'm not that tall and I constantly hit my head on it. There's no usable <laughs> space to the left and right of the range. So if you're like staging food to get cooked or taking things off the stove after being cooked, there's no room. And you're it's like it's like cooking in a closet. It is the most the, the most non ergonomic setup ever. And I got so frustrated with it last night. We had people over for dinner. As soon as everybody left from dinner, <laughs> I had that hammer ready and I started to knock that we crap had people over down. I was so upset. I made a scene. It delayed, it delayed my demolition <laughs> was what I was upset about. There's a mantle. There's a mantle on it. Wait, with what? uh like really what are those the those fancy what was that a corbel? A corbel the yeah. little uh -huh. bracket mm -hmm. support. There was a mantle on this thing, and it was just gaudy, not my style. But most importantly, functionally speaking, a nightmare. And I took that stuff out. And now I made it so that I don't even know what I'm doing next. But it, but it, it's better. <laughs> but it's better. It doesn't it's, matter. But it's better. It is a mess, but it is functionally better than it was. So sorry for that detour. But you said kitchen. See, I, and that's I don't know. I, I think I think the mantle, that would be a good place to, to um, display that uh, cast iron pan I sent you. Right? Yeah. Be a good the place little teeny tiny one. Yeah. That would be a good yeah. spot. Just set it up it's there. It's about all the room I have uh, up there is for a, a tiny. <laughs> <pan>. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, but again, I, this is the most the most organic ad read we've ever done. <laughs> it really is all because oh, we, we said the word kitchen cabinets. Okay. Technically, yeah. Raise your pitch, Matt. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. So, sorry, guys. Uh, okay. We're rocking out. Anyway, use the code Wood Talk. All one word. Receive free shipping. I'm also ordering for forty nine dollars. You better finish it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> and remember to head to broccoli.com slash woodtalk and enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not sure whether this ad is read by Michael Jackson or Mickey Mouse. One of the two. I pitched it up. Either way, it's way good, up that's, for you guys. Uh, Extra that's, that's really an upgrade from the Wood Talk guys. They landed Michael Jackson <laughs> or Mickey. One of the two. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Get us out of here. Wow. Yeah, please. Quickly. please. I think, I think we better end this one. Uh, honestly, folks, we would, we would love to hear your experiences with like lumber pricing. Not like, let's not turn this into a rant fest, but um, does anything we said kind of resonate with you or shock you? I still get the feeling there's a lot of people who think the lumber guys out there are ripping us all off. Yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, yeah, send, send in, in your stories and, 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 and lumber related things. And you know, if you think that uh, Matt should do all our ad reads from here on out, <laughs> definitely let us know. I'll let that job go. We're, we're, we're coming up to like a contract re uh, renegotiation with Rockler. So maybe that should be kind of our how we lead. Our, our opening salvo would be, well, Matt's going to read them all from now yeah, on. So yeah, they go well. Let us know if you I like, like that. I like that a lot. But yeah, send us, send us some voicemails or emails, folks, at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. That's where everything is. Go to Woodtalk Show. That's where the show notes are. Yep. That's all I got to say about that. Awesome. 
All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.